0: welcome to this episode of 30 for 30 make sure you let us know how we're doing uh you can either email us at tftpod2018 at gmail.com or hit us up on twitter at 3430 and that's turd like as in the poo poo. so make sure you're spelling it right and uh let's let's start brah
1: Welcome to the March Madness edition of 30, 30 for 30. I almost said 30 for 30.
0: <laughs> you're, you're ruining our own thing, man. If you haven't like,
1: guessed by now, our
0: name is
1: a play on the name of ESPN's 30 for 30, which I think we said in the first episode, but uh, just to kind of give you a review.
0: also, But we we put poop in it.
1: Also, we're not doing college basketball at all. I just wanted to call it the March Madness edition, so...
0: What the hell, man? Like, because I don't know what you're doing. So when you bust in talking about March Madness, I'm over here like. So when you say March Madness, are you talking about the basketball or are you talking about, you know, the Ides of March?
1: Beware the Ides of March.
0: I really want a salad right now. I don't know why. Uh, i eat it with a bunch salad. of knives. <laughs> um. Okay, well you really kind of fooled me on that If we're not actually talking about basketball Talk yeah, about a, a dick so move So I
1: wanted to do it college basketball And then I couldn't find anything That like was incredibly interesting to me So hey, if you listen to this And you have an idea of something I could do College basketball wise, let me know But I didn't really have anything I didn't want to do the like scandals Because a bunch of people have covered that So what I did is we're doing something based about college. It's just college football instead of basketball because college football is way more entertaining and has better stories.
0: You know what's bad is like the entertaining like basketball stories. You can't even talk about because they've already been covered to death. Like with the 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 no the no timeout timeout. Like that's hilarious, but it's been so covered as part of like the what the Fab Five stuff that like you can't even. You know, everybody knows Yeah, about the it. Fab
1: Five, I had actually had that on my short list, and then I was like, what am I really talking about here? Like, building up to get to a point where one guy didn't call, time- or tried to call time out when he didn't have it? Like, that's not fun. And then I was going to do the Adidas scandal, but that was just last year, and it's been like, drilled into my head so much about what that is that I was like, yeah, everybody knows about this. Why do that? So.
0: You can't even do the Zion Nike stuff, because that, uh um, Because Yeah. Who cares? It's just, he got a dud.
1: He, uh, I was trying to, I was going to make a Achilles joke there and just didn't come out. But, uh, today we're going to talk about, this is actually a kind of famous story, but I don't know how many people, like, know it, know it, does that make sense? Like, everybody's heard, heard of this, but I don't know how in depth they know it, so I figured we could go a little more in depth on it.
0: Well, we like going, you know, deep. Go deep. So, uh. Turd deep.
1: So, so deep. Just get in there nice and deep, black.
0: Yeah. Just like you're traveling out the large intestines. So,
1: our story is going to start in uh, 1954
0: today. Ooh. The top
1: song was Little Things Mean a Lot by Kitty Callan. Kitty Cat. That's Man. a great
0: that's a great name. And
1: then the best picture was From Here to Eternity.
0: I've actually heard of that one. Yeah, I have too. So
1: whenever if we're like in the fifties, anything from the fifties on, I'm probably gonna have heard of for the most part. But whenever we do those where it starts in like the forties or uh like the thirties, some of the older ones we've done we never know what the hell they're talking about.
0: Well, that's a lie because when we're like old men riding away in the nursing home that our children will eventually put us in because we were terrible people and we're, we're just rude to them. And, uh, you know, people ask questions, like, about movies and stuff, and it would be like, um, yeah, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> you literally would remember, like, the fact that there was the Pocahontas ripoff of Avatar, the Titanic movie, and The Matrix. The, de- the and Departed. Other and yeah other very large movies but then if someone asked you about like pineapple express you'd be like huh
1: i kind of remember it
0: actually i probably remember that and like super bad but yeah that's mostly just because of the super you know bad, what
1: like, uh, here's a good one that i won't, won't remember when it comes time and that's a what was that movie called year one with Chat but oh
0: i i don't even remember that now yeah that
1: one that one will be forgotten so
0: remember that in like Adam Sandler movies. Actually, they'll think like Adam Sandler was the biggest movie guy of all time, because it'd be like apparently or that and they'll think Highlander like won an Academy Award.
1: Well that's just your kids. That doesn't go for everyone's families.
0: <laughs> hey, Highlander, greatest movie ever made. Not true. Period.
1: Alright, so Bear Bryant was hired as the head coach. Uh,
0: of- uh, ah! You don't like Bear Bryant? No, him and his hound-tooth-wearing colt can go get stomped on by the fucking elephants that they like to jack off themselves Well, to. we're not
1: talking about Bama Bear today.
0: Oh, okay, I'm fine.
1: Uh, Bear Bryant was hired as the head coach of Texas A&M in 1954 to replace uh, head coach Ray George. He,
0: ooh two first names Ray George
1: he, he arrived in February and as soon as he got hired, he started completely cleaning house. Uh, his reasoning for that was that he had you know from what he had seen of the team the year before, he thought that the players were weak and so he thought that was the coach's fault and in order to fix it, he had to fire all of the coaches that were previously there and bring in his own guys.
0: Well, what he should have done is just hire his namesake, a bear
1: yeah, that would have that would have got him into shape.
0: Do big cat drills with the bear.
1: Uh, he also thought that uh, the campus and College Station, they, they became like too big of stars on campus, basically. He was tired of the football players always getting what they want, and he thought it was kind of making them pansies. So he decided that he was going to form a, uh, a preseason camp before the season started to go, to go out and practice. Two of these? Yeah, you could say that.
0: Um also I uh, I don't think any of his teaching stuck if you look at the current state of uh, college football.
1: No, we'll get into that. We're going to talk about what he left for the game and why it didn't work. But
0: also, also um 1950s like sports weren't like a big thing. It wasn't like a career You know, we talked about that before, you didn't make money then. Yeah, but
1: still, like, high school athletes and stuff, athletes on school campuses have always been the most popular guys, so I could see where even though it's not today, like, it's not Johnny Manziel getting to fly in A&M's jet to places and stuff like that, it's not like that, but you would still be, like, probably the most popular guys on Canopus.
0: Like, I got to travel in an automobile. But... Oh, an automobile. Well, um, I guess it was a fifty automobile. Yeah. Uh, they had cars. Were, were, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with Never that. Never mind. But that's fine. Uh,
1: he wanted to find a place where the players could live, breathe, and eat football. Like he just wanted it to be nothing but football.
0: When you said that, I pictured that Charlie Chaplin thing, you know, with the boiled shoe and they're like eating that. I pictured oh, them doing um, that with the football.
1: <laughs> what was that movie called? Modern times?
0: Dude, yeah, them just, really like, funny. sitting at this, like, team team meal, and they have, like, they're eating a, like, <laughs> deflated, like, football. I'm not a,
1: like, silent movie hipster that likes those kind of things, and usually I I don't really, I'm like, I'll watch old movies, but not silent films. But that one's actually funny. I don't know if you've ever seen the whole thing, but it's pretty, pretty great.
0: Well, you want to know how my knowledge of that is, even exists is from the goddamn Looney Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> i'm blah, pretty blah, sure blah, they blah, did it. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> i'm pretty sure that was the looney tunes um thing they did making fun of that uh, probably um, or i saw it in something and then i like found out it was from charlie chaplin but or um you know the, the or the guy who pretended to dress like hitler
1: <laughs> hey he was hitler before hitler was cool
0: Man, imagine how much more fun World War Two would have been if it was just Charlie Chaplin running the Nazis.
1: Did he never do? Like, he might have been dead already. I wonder if he ever played Hitler like in a skin or anything. I feel like it's too perfect, but he might have already been dead.
0: I think um, I don't think he was doing that stuff then. I don't. I think he was more of a. He wasn't in the the forties. I don't think because that would have been. Ta- uh, I mean, they the earliest had, uh, he would have done. He didn't. Is like he didn't do talkies. He didn't do, t- but yeah, but we didn't give a shit about Germany until yeah. the, what, 39 or forty. No, you're right.
1: I'm just saying the, the earliest possible would be like 1938, because that's when news of Hitler started kind of getting out to the world, but he would really have to be ahead of the curb to make a movie about that.
0: But did he ever even do, like, talking? I thought he just did silent. No, he didn't
1: do talking, but he, still, he was still making silent films uh, after people started talking. I mean, not <laughs> for much That sentence out of context but... <laughs> sounds funny. <laughs> yeah, no one, no one talked.
0: No one talked until they invented talking pictures. It's a it's a very weird thing.
1: Oh no! Look, Charlie Chaplin did do a. Uh, he did the Great Dictator. Of course, I forgot about that movie.
0: Oh yes, the movies that we would have all seen because they were filmed on like a film reel and you know, uh, nothing everything is digital. The reason why I say
1: I forgot about it is because when I was in college during my freshman seminar class, our professor showed us that movie, but I completely forgot about it. Uh Modern times I remember and would watch again The Great Dictator.
0: Apparently I didn't give a shit about. Was that a history class where they just showed you pictures of Charlie Chaplin and Hitler and you had to guess (laughs) which was which? They threw, they had to, like, it was, you know, I imagine it was really tough to find Hitler wearing not a Nazi uniform, so that would be competitive.
1: It was, uh, one time they did one of those, like, face mashup things, like, you know, when they make a, make the, a child out of two faces, they did that with Hitler and Charlie Chaplin, and then we saw the greatest mix of horror and comedy.
0: Was that Himmler? (laughs) Is that what it made?
1: (laughs) Okay, back on topic. (laughs) We're, we're so off yeah, topic Yeah, I don't right know now. where we went there.
0: We went to Charlie Chaplin and Hitler. So,
1: anyway, Bear Bryant kind of thought about this plan for a while, wanting to have a camp outside of campus, and he just needed to find a spot. And he wanted it to be far enough away from campus that the players kind of felt like they were on their own and they just had each other.
0: Ooh, is this how Bear Grill started? <laughs> he just kidnapped a bunch of football Actually, players and put them in the you're woods? you're probably not that far Made off. A made him drink their pee. Uh so he f- We've been out here for an hour, coach. Drink your goddamn pee. Uh,
1: Bear Bryant would never ever ever do that and you'll know exactly why in about 15 minutes.
0: See a germaphobe?
1: No. So, he found this uh small hill country town called Junction. And AM Oh, Junction. AM had a 411 acre adjunct campus there which later become uh texas tech at junction so it was it was a little little small campus and it was kind of the perfect spot uh for them to have these practices because they didn't have to pay for it it was already in the system and it was far away from college station
0: you know my favorite thing about junction is uh well there's a pretty good barbecue place there um but also there's a that's there's a it's super windy ass like hilly roads, and there's like an eighty five mile an hour or eighty speed limit oh yeah, it's, so that's it's always ridiculous. Fun. We
1: just drove through there, and in you're November. like, you're going it's,
0: eighty it's like at a forty five degree angle and getting passed by semis they're like, I don't like this <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so there's there's a couple of problems we need to address before we get to the meat of this story. First, the Texas Hill country in nineteen fifty four had some issues they were experiencing a massive drought and heat wave that had already lasted for four years and that drought mixed with the heat would not end until 1956 so this is right in the middle of the hill country's worst drought and um, temperatures ever to this day this is still the worst it's ever been
0: well, global warming, you know, how has that not made it worse? There, Ooh, the, actually, scientists. I didn't know
1: this, but there actually is a drought going on right now there, but it's not as bad as the one in the 50s.
0: Well, you know, where we grew up, literally we were in a drought every other year. So. Yeah,
1: then this is not important to the story at all. But remember how every year we would have those droughts, yet any time it rained, they would release water from the lake to go to the bay. So they're like, we're in a drought, but we're gonna send some drinking water to the bay because the shrimp need it.
0: I uh, I do remember like there was a, a camp I used to go to that the they had a floating pier and it was at or it had a pier and it was always at a certain level. And then like for maybe and then all of a sudden like the water was like twenty feet below it. And then uh, we supposedly had all that rain and the water was literally over the pier. You had to like walk through water to get to like the end that was a floating dock it was really goofy but there was buildings and stuff that like we didn't even know existed that like came up
1: <laughs> it's like oh we found atlantis it's just the shitty version yeah yeah
0: no it's a shitty camp cabin that no, was built like 100 years ago so um
1: his training camp was scheduled to last for 10 days and began on august 31st um this is a side note here i just wanted to let you know about this uh John David Crow was a freshman this year, and if you don't know who John David Crow is, he's the first Heisman winner from A and M. Uh, he was a running back.
0: Was he the guy that um, started the Crow Laws?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so. That was Jim. Uh, oh. John David
0: was that his like uncle? So
1: John David Crow, I found a little little tiny like one sentence quote from him that. Um, I didn't write it out, but I basically, I summed it, I'm going to sum it up. He basically said he was, he was sad to see him go, but once he got back, once they got back, he wasn't so worried about it. So freshmen at that time did not play and did not, they practiced, but they didn't play and they didn't go to like, um, away training camp. So basically they were stuck on campus to practice and that was it.
0: Didn't they have, like, freshman teams back then, though? Uh, They might
1: have, but he definitely wasn't a part of the main team that year. So um, players arrived at the practice field uh, in two buses. When they got out of the two buses, they noticed that the field was covered in rocks, uh, had a lot of weeds, and uh, a ton of sticker burrs, or what we call sticker burrs here. I don't know what they call them around the the rest of the country but they're basically like little tiny prickly weeds that will get stuck in your skin if you like touch them
0: dude i have like vietnam style flashbacks of sticker burrs because when i was growing up we lived in flower bluff and that was like literally the grass if there was any grass there was sticker burrs and i just i remember just getting covered in them either like coming off a slide or um, heck, they'd get stuck. Like when I played soccer, they'd get stuck like in your sock, and it's like, what the hell is like? It just it was excruciating. I remember
1: playing golf at the base out there in Flyer and if you like got off the fairway and it went into the rough, you would have to pat down your shoes afterwards because they were just covered in stickers.
0: Yeah, I I don't know what those are officially called, but yeah, we just stickers, man. They're Hopefully, you know kind. what I'm
1: talking about. You've probably seen them. I don't know. Maybe it's more of like a Texas thing, but yeah.
0: I think it's definitely, I haven't seen them anywhere but Texas. But that being said, my geographic region is limited to like three states.
1: Here I quote Gene Stallings. He said, Goatheads and big ol' sandburrs were everywhere. Every time you put your hand down, you put in sandburrs. So I guess it was called sandburrs to him. I think it's one of those things that regionally has a different name everywhere you go.
0: And, the things that look like, what are those called? Like, they're not seeing enemies, are they? The pointy oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. Ocean? I know what you're
1: talking about. The like of wars,
0: and of wars like a jellyfish. Yeah, isn't it stings
1: the hell out of you. I guess it's I I know what you're talking about. This is really hard to explain, but you'll you'll figure it out.
0: It's basically a circle with a bunch of needles coming out of it, and it gets everywhere, and, and it gets stuck on you, and then you try to take it off, and then it gets stuck in your skin. And then you have to like try to shoo it off yourself, and then it gets stuck on that hand, and then it's just an endless cycle. It's basically like trying to get bubble gum. Yeah, it's a, like they're annoying. Out of your hair, it's annoying.
1: <laughs> Another player described the field by saying it wasn't a football field, and it wasn't even really a field at all. Uh, obviously, in this day and age, that would never pass. But back then, they they had to deal with it.
0: it builds character, man. Uh, imagine getting tackled into like a, a pile of like pointy, pointy pollen, Oh, yeah, it would suck. Get stuck in your helmet. Yeah, because one thing to, like, fall on it, but to, like, get tackled and slide, like, going full speed into a pile of sticker burrs, that sounds miserable. Especially if it's, like, the whole plant. That was the worst if you got the whole plant.
1: Um, so, basically, you're dealing with really high heat sticker burrs, and most people today probably wouldn't be able to last out there for very long. But uh, one of the players had a theory about why their team was kind of like not really too bothered by it at first. Um, a lot of the players never had air conditioning in their home or even in some of the college buildings, so they weren't really used to being in cool air all the time, like we are. And so,
0: why would you live? Why would you live in freaking Texas if you didn't have air conditioning? Hey man, you got if, to if, you gotta live where you work. If I was alive, if I was alive at a point that had no air conditioning. I would live my happy ass up in like Maine or too something. Too far,
1: too cold. Go to California. The weather's always nice.
0: Well, I'm surprised like the entire population wasn't like in California at some point because literally it's it's perfect all, all yeah, year. Yeah, it's
1: like 95% of the time it's perfect.
0: And it's got a cool breeze, unlike, you know, South Texas. The, like if you get a wind, which there's always wind, it's 40 mile hours and like. Basically, like someone opened the oven and put a fan in front of it, and it just hits you in the face, and you can't even breathe.
1: Yeah, and the players were just a little more acclimated to it back then than football players would be now.
0: And that's why Texas is the best state for football.
1: Uh, Still, though, the heat of the day would hit temperatures between 95 degrees and 100, so it's still hard to get used to that. Um, Another player named Dennis Goring... Uh, Also described another reason why he thought players might be tougher back in the 50s than they are now. I don't know how true this is, but I'll read you the quote.
0: Because parents beat their kids.
1: Adrian Peterson. He's trying to make his kid like a
0: (laughs) 1950s kid. I don't know if he really wants to go back to the 50s, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, good point. Uh, David Goering said, We had just finished World War II, and those guys were mentally tough. Blood and guts were part of World War II. And you, if you got...
0: It was 10 years before. Yeah,
1: that's why I'm saying, I don't know about this quote, but I'm just going to read it to you because I thought it was interesting, his thought. He said, you are you get your nose busted, that's nothing. You got to understand that there was a different perspective. I didn't think of it as anything other than just the way it was going to be.
0: That's that's kind of true. It's a stretch. Like, like it's, it's half true. Well, the thing is, is back then, like, men had to be men. Now, like, you know, you have these... You know, football players that make two hundred million dollar contracts, but yet they're dyeing their hair and wearing earrings and getting manicures and pedicures, and they're still like, you know, the super cool manly type.
1: So you don't like dyed hair?
0: I think some of these people look like skunks.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Like Odell Beckham, I'm not crazy about his hair. Honey Badger pulls it off. Odell Beckham just looks like he's, you know, a modern day george michael all
1: right i'll i'll let that one pass uh so anyway my point with all that is conditions were not great uh camp began with 90 players but the numbers would slowly decline over the course of the the whole training camp
0: did people die Uh,
1: no but players left due to injuries Uh, some players left because of the conditions and others left just because of bear bryant and it's just that some players weren't really willing to pay the price that Bear was asking them to be on the football team at that time. Uh, a lot of them were also scared of him.
0: I would be scared of yeah. Bear. I mean, did they try standing up like straight and like standing on the ground and waving their arms above <laughs> their head and like screaming? Whoa, Bear! I heard Whoa, that's how you Bear. get rid of bears. Uh, the um, coaches, but were that doesn't of work for tea, all bears. Way. That's another huh?
1: note I got to put in here. The coaches were also scared of him.
0: Oh, well, you know, some people are scared of bears, but, you know, for different reasons. It depends, like, if you're at a certain club, you might be scared of a different type of bear than if you're in the woods.
1: So, uh, whenever he would enter the room, (laughs) the whole room would go quiet, and uh, to this day, in some of these interviews, one guy described it visually, but he said, when you ask former players from that team about Bear Bryant... They say that he's a great guy, but you can see in their body language that they're grimacing a little bit, too. So I'm imagining it wasn't a lot of fun to play for him.
0: It's like um, like Catholic church flashbacks. <laughs> like, yeah, it was a great priest. And then they're like twitching.
1: <laughs> Start crying out <laughs> of nowhere. Yeah. So the actual practices of the training camp would begin at dawn and last all through the day. After practice was over, the team would have meetings that could last past 11 p.m.
0: I don't even think you can legally do this from, like, a, not from that point of view, but because of, like, NCAA rules, you're not allowed to practice more than a certain Exactly, of time yeah. You could not do week. this
1: today, and there's so many other reasons why you could not do this, but that's the first.
0: You would, like, reach their weekly practice allowance in, like, a day or two. So they're two. going
1: out there at 6 a.m., practicing until the sunsets at, like, 7, eating dinner, and then going to meetings until 11.
0: Hell, they can't even do, like, autographs, because that counts as a practice day. Yeah, it's weird. Uh,
1: after each day, players would start to quit because they would get hurt or it was just too grueling. Uh, and another thing that Bear Bryant did that I haven't talked about yet is he banned water at practice, which was kind of a common practice back then, but uh, usually in 95 to 100 degree temperature, you wouldn't wouldn't do this, especially for the whole day, but they were not allowed to drink water throughout the whole practice.
0: So, I had a in high school, when I played soccer, I had a coach who, um, he, well, he was a military guy. I mean, Air Force, you know. So you can that, you know. Yeah, okay. Um, but he uh, he refused to put ice in the water because he said it was more hydrating for you know room temperature water or warm water, which is actually like kind of true because you know you can drink more of it yeah. quicker. But then he would set the bottles of water on the track, and you know we had that like rubber track. And it would be a hundred degrees. So you
1: basically microwave the bottles of water.
0: Yes. Yeah, so you'd be like exhausted from running around and sweating your ass off and then drink literally basically like coffee temperature water. And um that was never fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's not fun. But at least uh the thing that the players did get to from for relief of the heat was they got two towels soaked in ice cold water.
0: So they had ice cold water available. He just yeah, you can
1: drink it, I, but you can put it on a towel.
0: I you just see me off on the side like literally like sucking everybody's towels. Well that's the thing
1: though. When I say <laughs> I would towels, I
0: would be like standing on the there's be some guy wiping sweat off his face and I'd be at the end of it like just <laughs> I need water.
1: <laughs> uh, that's the thing. When I said two towels, I didn't mean two towels each person. I meant there was one towel for the offense and one for the defense that was soaked in
0: cold water. Oh, I, I might actually vomit. That's nasty. All
1: day long. Same towels all day long, soaked in water.
0: But so they like, so is it they soak it in water at six o'clock in the morning and and then you got to deal with it all day. It'd be dry like an hour later. I, the humidity, it'd probably, you know, it'd be wet all day, but well, it would all definitely not be the sweat that cold. got
1: on it would make it wet all day. It'd be soaking wet.
0: No Ugh. water anymore. You want staph infection? That's how you get staph infection. So
1: by the end of practice, some players had to be drug off the field by their heels or they suffered from something they called the blind wobbles. They would just stumble around and fall trying to get to the locker room. They, they couldn't Jesus. even walk anymore.
0: Jesus Christ. Bear should go coach at Maryland. Once they,
1: once they actually got to the locker room, all the players would make a mad dash to any water faucet they could find, the shower, the uh, sinks, anything that like, had water coming out of it, the players would basically fight each other to get, and they would cup their hands and drink as much as they possibly could because they hadn't had water all day.
0: I would literally drink out of a toilet, I think, if I was in that position. I'd just be, like, head, like, completely like in, like Aquaman, just straight up, like, my head completely on the toilet, bobbing for shit apples.
1: <laughs> after a few minutes, uh, after a few minutes of not practicing, uh, because they had been going all day, their muscles would tighten up and cramp to the point that they said it was like their muscles would become metal, and they would fall to the ground and start flopping like fish. Uh
0: Jesus Christ that's like that's not good for you
1: It gets better Residents of Junction could hear players howling in pain all the way down by the river near campus which was about a football field away from the locker rooms
0: Jesus like hey honey is that wolves No that's just the football team screaming in pain <laughs> <They're dying. laughs> Uh, damn, I thought it was those coyotes getting after a sheep again. <laughs> so, Jack
1: Pardee was one of the players on that team. He also was a – he's actually a famous coach, too. He coached with the Redskins. He coached at A&M. He coached at several different uh, different colleges and a couple of pro teams. I think he did the Houston – what was that team called? The Houston Gunners or whatever, the uh, AFL team. Or, no, the USFL team. Uh, if we're talking USFL about team.
0: Gunners, are you sure we're not talking about yeah. UT? Yeah. Ooh.
1: At that time, that's a good point. Uh, I think we actually talked about him in the USFL episode, maybe for a minute, but I can't remember. But anyway, he's a famous coach now. He said that some players lost 10% of their body weight in a day. And he famously is known for losing 20 pounds in one day of practice. So it was basically being tortured
0: what did he How did he lose twenty pounds to give birth to a child <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> or did he just take the biggest shit ever to exist
1: he just sweated it out, man, they just were sweating constantly
0: that's definitely not good for you like losing water weights you know it it is good, but i uh if you're losing twenty pounds worth of water weight, that's probably very bad for you.
1: One player named Billy Schroeder suffered a heat stroke. Uh, he still has
0: only one player. Uh, that's
1: true. He still suffers physical, like some physical ailments because of this. And he says that he had an out of body experience in the infirmary at Junction. He said he was about to die, and he, like, he said he could see the nurse and the doctor working on him from above. Uh, Dr. John Weedman. Uh, who was just a doctor in Junction, like an old family medicine doctor, saved his life by covering him uh, in ice. <laughs> and he still remembers vividly the student trainer that was standing over him when he collapsed on the field and sobbing because the guy thought one of their best players had died.
0: <laughs> What's wrong with him? I think he dead. <laughs> we'll poke him with the stick. He
1: killed him, Burr. Uh, <laughs>
0: he said like, i saw god and he wore houndstooth and a hat <laughs> i'm assuming he just always wore a houndstooth he could still wear red houndstooth that's A&M. true uh
1: the town's ambulance was called out there one time
0: the, the they have a single ambulance well
1: that's a, it said the it said the ambulance so it sounded like it was like one ambulance they probably well it's junction so you yeah, had probably say they only had one or two
0: it's some guy with his like, minivan painted like red and white, and he's got <laughs> kind of, like, a flashlight. He just turns off and on. He sticks his head
1: out the window and goes, wee-woo, wee-woo. <laughs> wee-woo, <laughs> wee-woo. <laughs> he, he was sent by the doctor to go pick up quarterback Elwood Kettler, who had been in the infirmary earlier that morning, but returned to practice later in the day. He's...
0: Hell, that's a free pass. Just stay in the hospital.
1: He went up to a group of players and said, the boy needs to come back to the hospital. He's got four broken bones in his back. Kettler... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. The problem with that was Kettler was on the other side of the field practicing and running a full scrimmage with the first-team offense.
0: Jesus Christ, this man like, had to have been in excruciating pain.
1: <laughs> Everyone around discouraged the ambulance driver from going to get uh, the stretcher and taking it out on the field because they said if you take that stretcher out there, Bear's going to get creative with it. So eventually he just gave up and drove off.
0: Oh my God.
1: <laughs> so that guy just practiced with a
0: broken back. Like, I don't even know how you're standing. Even if it's like...
1: Guys were just tougher. I, I don't know how the them. back that's works what we talked about at the first. They were just tougher. Yeah.
0: I think it's just they weren't allowed to act like they were like this Why? that's why people have so many problems now, especially like the baby boomers, is because they weren't allowed to experience them, you know. Which now we're allowed to experience too much stuff, damn hipsters. So
1: so Bear uh had another problem that I haven't talked about yet, and that was players leaving. Uh, the camp, they would literally run off in the middle of the night.
0: As sneaking out, like, is this like the great escape? Did <laughs> they dig like tunnels out of the dorms? Or it's something? like, Hogan this guy, he, he dug through 50 feet of concrete or 50 feet of shit and came out smelling clean <laughs> on the other side, like <laughs> junction redemption or something. So,
1: as uh, these players would make a break for it, the other players would yell as they ran off and they would say stuff like tell the girls back at college station we said howdy tell them we'll be home real soon
0: <laughs> oh my god the uh,
1: the uh. runaways would either hitchhike or go to the bus station and uh wait until the the manager of the bus station opened opened up the, the next morning when that guy would ask them where they wanted to go they said they didn't care and just to get the first ticket out of junction um
0: I mean, I would have thought they might have said, like, you know, uh, College Station. So,
1: luckily for them, most of the buses headed east towards College Station, so they could get off at wherever they were going and then get to get the ride to College Station. But, um,
0: Damn, Junction and College Station, that's a little bit of a, a bus ride. Yeah,
1: and he said that...
0: Considering you probably have to go to some other major city first. He did say that
1: some players would just get on the bus and even head west, so just farther away from College Station, but just anywhere to get out of Junction.
0: I want to go paying for gold. It's like, yeah, that ended a long time ago. I don't it's care. better than this. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, the players that were brave enough to tell uh, Bear that they were leaving would get a bus, or a ride to the bus station, and a ticket home. So it was better to tell him that you were going to leave. But most of them didn't have the balls to do it.
0: I uh, well, here's the thing though: Did they ever hear from any of those people again after they? boarded the quote unquote bus.
1: Uh, I don't think I don't think most of them were allowed back on the team. I think the ones that like went out from injury could come back, but the ones that just bailed were not not going to be on the team.
0: It's like yeah, um, he, Jeff went over there and told them that he uh he he didn't want to be here anymore, so he got a bus ticket home. But I hadn't seen him. And uh hey, have you noticed that like fresh dirt over there on the <laughs> side of the practice? Why field? is there a
1: cross stuck in the middle of the in the middle of the field? <laughs> So nine days into the camp, Bryant decided he needed to do a head count. It turned out that 76 players had left.
0: Jesus Christ. How, wait, so he had to do a head count? They started with 90 yeah, players? Yeah,
1: 76 of them left. Are-
0: Why do you have to do a head count when you notice the 76 people have left? There'd be, third, like, there'd literally be, like, nobody. So, there'd be the stars. I, the
1: numbers, <laughs> This is. I think it's kind of an estimate because there's one book that said there was 90 and there's another that said there was 111 total players. And they said Still, by the if end 76 there were 35 people left, left, you would so know. I think that's based off that like 111 112 number. But anyway, yeah, you would you, notice. You,
0: you would notice like, hey, we had like a shit ton of people, and now there's literally like a gaggle.
1: So, uh, the that day he realized that the team was completely out of centers and um, so he suited up one of the team managers that weighed a total of 150 pounds.
0: Oh, that's fun. Good for that guy. I'm sure he didn't get his world rocked. So anyway,
1: that's the uh, the sequel to the 12th Man story. That's another version of the 12th Man at A&M. This guy had to step in because the whole team quit.
0: I feel like 12th Man just came from that was how many people we had left when the season started.
1: <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. So at the end of at the end of the 10-day camp, the players and staff all piled into one bus and headed home.
0: Jesus Christ, they took two buses up. Yep.
1: <laughs> they took two out, one in or one out two in one out after
0: what they do with the bus driver they just leave him there like we don't probably need you, we don't pay like you to come the
1: back week before like to hell with this
0: he, he what if like he just literally like what they should have done is just leave the bus there and then if you didn't want to be there anymore you just had to go to that bus and stay on there till it was full and then just go home that would
1: have that would have been financially probably better for the guys that bought the bus tickets
0: <laughs> Uh, It's like, hey, um, yeah, I've been living on this bus for like five days. Are we almost ready? Ah, yeah, we just need one more gas.
1: So, did Bear Bryant's hellscape training camp work? After the preseason was over, the, uh, 1954 Texas A&M Aggie team went one and nine.
0: Well, yeah, because everybody that was probably worth a damn bitched out.
1: So, if you look at just that one season, it was a massive failure, but... The team rebounded the next year. The next year, they went 7-2-1, and, and then they won the conference with a record of 9-0 nine, nine the next season in 56.
0: Was that the Southwest yeah, Conference? Yeah, it was the
1: Southwest Conference. So two years out of the Junction training camp, they won via conference championship. There's a couple of reasons why I think that happened, or uh, a couple of different questions you can ask about why that happened first you could ask did it actually make the team tougher to be in that camp or was it the effect of having a superstar running back that would go on to win a Heisman because you have to remember John David Crow didn't play in that first year but he played in the next two years and they play they were a lot better team those next two years
0: um you could argue that having a Heisman caliber player definitely affects you know you winning because um oh probably would not have won as many games as they did if they didn't have Kyler Murray playing. Yeah, I
1: think it's a fair argument. You could also say when that you have Bear a, yeah. uh, actually got to recruit in those two years as own players instead of inheriting them, so that has to take effect. See, although back then recruiting was basically all in-state, but still.
0: Well, if you're recruiting and you don't really like have a budget or really like go places, I feel like Texas is a decent place to, to do that
1: the uh, the players that made it through the camp call themselves survivors and the uh the rest of the world calls them the junction boys so that's where the uh the name the that's where the the story of the junction boys came from
0: well, that's that's neat well so uh, i i do think the fact that like they were better later is cuz he was able to regroup people that fit his mentality that knew going in like they were the hellscape that they were going to be facing. <laughs> I'm going to um, play for Bear so Bryant cause I can die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, dying is just another type of living. Uh, I don't think that's right. A
1: book with, uh, interviews and insight from the players that were there was released in 2001. It was called the junction boys and it was written by Jim Dent. It was so popular that it became the subject of a made for TV movie called The Junction Boys, that was produced by ESPN. And Tom Berenger played Bear Bright
0: Have we ever thought that maybe, you know, the people that stayed were really just the true Aggies because they were too stupid to leave?
1: I thought about that, actually. I was like, yeah, I probably wouldn't have made it.
0: Like, like, was it, what's the test even get in the school there? Like, they just, like, lock you in a car you have to, and you have to figure out how to get out? You to, have get to screw out?
1: a light bulb in and turn it on. <laughs>
0: by, by yourself. yourself. <laughs> so, team building exercise screwing the light bulb i don't know we don't have enough people coach There's only 12 how of us i would do it
1: <laughs> so anyway that's the story of the uh, the junction boys
0: it's not that wasn't as long as i thought it no, would be No there's not a, a lot of a there's story. not a
1: huge amount of details on like a day to day thing but those were the highlights of it
0: see no one ever talks about the pre-alabama bear bryant days
1: yeah that was the thing and actually um one of Gene I think it was Gene Stallings I I'm doing this off the top of my head but I think Gene Stallings was still like Good a research. big it uh, was like a big Bear Bryant supporter even after all this and actually took over uh, Alabama after Bear Bryant had left and won a national championship with them in uh 1990 early 90s like 92
0: Huh I thought they were pretty bad
1: um, I'm gonna, so I actually have a funny, go ahead, let me check to make sure it's in that, right?
0: Uh, I actually have a funny Bear Bryant story, um, that's not really about him, but it, more about his, like, legacy. So, back in whatever year it was, 2011, um, I went to Tuscaloosa for the, uh, the game of the century, whatever they were calling it, when, um... Alabama played LSU um, in Tuscaloosa. And uh, we the day before, we were just walking around, and uh, we went over to the statues that they already had the Nick Saban statue. And he like Ew. was still alive. And is yeah, still alive. So they had, like, Nick these,
1: Saban's not dead, everybody. So,
0: well, he he's just dead on the inside. But they had several of the statues up and we literally were just looking at the statues of course like when you go to away games you just wear your team gear the whole time even if it's for like three days so we were walking around and a security guard got like very combative with us and he's like you guys need to leave it's like dude we're just looking at the freaking statues like we were literally like perfectly calm like looking at the statue of bear Bryant and like taking a picture and the guy, like, literally chased us away like we were terrorists. It was the most <laughs> ridiculous thing ever. You can't
1: disrespect Barrett like that?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure he went home to his, you know, cousin and they knocked one out. You
1: remember that story about the uh, the guy that poisoned the trees in Auburn?
0: Yeah. we I uh, When I went to Auburn, that might have been, that was during the, the Cam Newton year. I might have gotten a little inebriated and might have um, um, made some jokes about it. Ooh,
1: that didn't go over well.
0: I think that did that happen there? That yeah, because the whole thing
1: that happened was he was at the game and saw that somebody had put a Cam Newton jersey on the statue of Bear Bryant, and that's what pissed him off and threw him over the edge to go poison their
0: trees. By the way, those those campuses are beautiful, but man, when I was at Alabama, I or yeah, in Tuscaloosa, I literally thought I was going to get stabbed the entire day. It also didn't help that one of the guys I was with. Was a total douchebag and like being very combative to people after we just beat them in a like close, kind of controversial game. Um, So uh, I'm glad we made it out alive. Auburn was fun because we just got super drunk and screamed go tigers at everybody. So, you know,
1: (laughs) breaking news just so you know, I just passed you up in the bracket challenge. I'm number two now.
0: Uh, Well, you are number two. I'll be number one because you're shitty. I th- I was number one yeah, though. But that so Auburn Auburn game, that Auburn game that Auburn game just
1: switched up the ranking pretty big. A lot of people didn't have Auburn. Yeah,
0: shit. That probably uh, screwed me up in my other bracket I'm in too. Because I actually I might have picked Auburn in that one.
1: Anyway, this will be well past by the time this episode is out. But I just thought you should know.
0: Hey man, I'm just excited the uh, the the Tigers are in a Sweet Sixteen. Gold Tigers. Hey, and fun fact, um, my mom went to high school with the uh, interim coach at LSU. Oh,
1: nice.
0: We found one of our old yearbooks, and he was in it.
1: You should call him up, give him advice for
0: the game. Well, I always thought, like, um, well, when I worked there, I thought about, like, being like, hey, (laughs) and I'm like, no, that's creepy, so I never did, and now I don't work there anymore.
1: (laughs) Tell him, hey, can you uh, try holding on to the lead after you get it and not making it Stressful at the
0: end. Jesus Christ! Two games in a row. They were up what, like twelve, fifteen points in that game and just dominating them. And then I looked at the score and it was freaking tied. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Yeah, they, they they can't do that every game. And ex- literally two the two the two games they played have been like that. It's super stressful. Which they won't be Michigan State, but you know, hey man, they didn't make it for like ten years and then they make it to the Sweet Sixteen for the first time in thirteen years. They hadn't made it since Big Baby. That's insane. Yeah. Well, the Ben
1: Simmons year, if he hadn't screwed up so bad, they might have made it.
0: No, the problem was the Ben Simmons year, it was literally Ben Simmons and, like, five other people, or four other people.
1: Oh, uh, uh, that's true. That was a bad team, too. He was just really good.
0: It was a bad team. Like, all these players that are on the team now didn't come in until, um, what's-his-name paid for them to come there? I mean, until uh, he, he got them there. <laughs> The Will Wade guy, because Tremont Waters and Nas Reed and all, like literally everybody on the team now, um, Mays, is a Will Wade recruit. Which I don't understand how you could have a player be cleared from the same thing that the coach is involved with, but then the coach doesn't get cleared. But what do I know? What do any of us know? You know nothing.
1: Well, that's our episode for this week. Uh, subscribe, leave us a review, let us know how we're doing. Um, I'm out of here. Maher, you got anything?
0: I, I really like how you just let me go on a rant about <laughs> n- nothing on topic for like 10 minutes at the very end yeah, of the it episode. Yeah, it wasn't that, uh, or anything. We need to fill some time. That was way too quick.
1: <laughs> yep, so we filled it with random stories of jerseys on statues and LSU taught. And trust me, that was an FLSU talk for me for the next, like, three years.
0: Well, you you just keep picking teams that you're a fan of. You pick A&M. You pick the Redskins. I mean, what are we going to start talking about, like, Satan worshipping? Because, you know, if you like both of those teams, then you definitely have to be a devil worshipper.
1: Not true. All right. Wink, wink. <laughs> we'll catch you next week. Have a Have a good rest of your week. And... Yeah, we'll see you. Bye. Peace.